0: Hey everyone, this is Steve. This message is the second in our Be the Family Beatitudes series. We're applying the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 that Jesus gave us to our family lives. And the way we did that today is we talked about the uh, perfect, pure light of God's holiness versus the broken impurity of our own darkness. And we kind of contrasted the two. And the way that we did that in the room today Was that we had the room? I started the message off having the room dark. And so I talked for the first little while, sort of in the dark. And then later on in the message, I talked about how uh, our darkness, when confronted with God's light, can actually be offensive. And at that moment, I turned on a spotlight and shone it around the room. It was kind of a powerful effect that you'll miss here on this podcast but today 's message generated a lot of really positive feedback. A lot of people said it was really good and powerful for them. So I hope that the visual illustration won 't be too lost on you. Maybe you can just kind of imagine it as you're listening to this podcast. So I hope that the podcast today is a blessing to you If you've got your u version app, go ahead and and get ready because we 're going to be looking at the next verse. That Jesus talks about this next blessed that he gives us and he says this in Matthew 5 he says blessed are those that are pure in heart for they shall see God blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God interesting that we're talking about seeing God in a dark room. Because I know you can kind of see me right now a little bit. There's light coming in from the back. You can kind of see me up here a little bit. And you know that, that as we sit here, your eyes will adjust and it'll get a little easier to see, a little easier to see. But it says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. See, our problem is it's hard for us to see anything because we are stumbling around in a dark, broken world. Yeah, we're inundated in darkness. It's all around us, and we live in this dark, broken world where it's almost impossible to see God. Yeah, we live in this dark world and we're surrounded by darkness. In fact, in Ephesians 4, uh, Scripture tells us that people who live in this dark world, people like us, it's talking specifically about Gentiles here. And it says that their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life that God gives because they've closed their minds and have hardened their hearts against Him. yeah. It's hard to find God. It's hard to see God because our minds, our hearts have been darkened by our brokenness, by the sin that so easily the scripture says encumbers us. So it's easy for us to say, well, you know, I hear you, Steve. It's dark in this world, but I'm a light, right? I'm a light. I'm I'm the light of the world. Jesus told me I'm the light of the world. And so I'm the one that has the answers and can show the answers. I can show Christ. Can you? Can you? I believe that Jesus' words are true, that we are the light of the world because Jesus is the light and he's in us. But the problem is that we're inundated with darkness and we don't even... Realize it. We are a lot farther from God than we are even aware, most of the time. I I believe. But we think we're just not that bad. We think we're we're okay. We think we're better than the guy next to us. We think we're better than the person down the road, the better than the person who always argues, better than that guy that's always got a bad attitude, better than somebody else. So that must mean we're we're okay. Right? Well, how much, how much sin does it take to make us impure? Jesus says, blessed are the pure for they will see God. How much sin does it take in our lives to make us impure? Impure. Because as I understand it, it's only pure if it's 100% pure. Anything else, anything less than 100% is impure, right? You know the old story, you've probably heard it a 100 times like I have, of the 10-year-old boy that wanted to go with some of his friends to see the PG-13 movie. 10 years old, wanted to see the PG-13 movie, and was begging his mom, Mom, please can I go? Mom, please can I go? And mom continues to say, No, you can't go. You can't go. There's... I know about that movie. There's language, excessive language. There's violence in there, and you're not going to go. You're 10 years old, and it's a PG-13 movie. And and the kid's begging with his mom, Please, Mom, let me go see the PG-13 movie. And he tells her what we all say, right? Mom, there's just a little bit of that stuff in there. I mean, it's just a little bit. It's barely any. I mean, it's not like it's rated R. It's rated PG-13. There's barely any of it at all. It's okay. It's not that big of a deal. And finally, mom kind of says, okay, I tell you what, kid, I'll let you go see that movie. You you can go see the PG-13 movie if you're willing to let me make you some brownies first. Well, okay, great. I'll be happy to do that. Sounds like a great deal to me. Okay. So the kid goes scampering off uh, because he's going to go see the movie later that day. Meanwhile, mom begins to make brownies for her son. So she gets the mix, she pours in the bowl, puts all the stuff in, and and as she's in the process, she goes out in the yard and she scoops up a little bit of dog poop in the yard. Just a little bit. And she takes that dog poop and she puts it in the brownie mix and she mixes it all up, cooks the brownies. And later on, son comes in, brownies are all made, he's eager to have the brownies, and she goes, all right, here you go, you got to have two brownies before you go to the PG-13 movie. Okay, Mom, glad to do it. So she slices the brownies off and she puts them on a plate and she sets it in front of her. She goes, now you need to understand. Before you eat these brownies, you understand that there's a little bit of dog poop in these brownies. <laughs> Just a little bit. And of course, the kid's like, oh, oh man, are you kidding me? Yeah, there's a little, I put a little bit of dog poop. See a little, little fluffy over there? Yeah, we got a little bit of his, little present for you. And he helped make the brownies for you today. So the kid's like, oh, you got to be kidding me. There's no way. you Just eat the brownies. No, there's no way I'm going to eat that. And he completely refused to touch the brownies. And she says, well, why in the world would I let you go watch a PG-13 movie with just a little bit of crassness, just a little bit of violence, just a little bit of that stuff when you won't eat the brownies, the delicious brownies that just have a little bit of poop in them? <laughs> You know, it's fun to say "poop" in church. <laughs> <laughs> but do you see the point? I mean, any impurity is impure, and so what we do is we get lulled to sleep by our impurity, and we think that just a little bit is okay. Just just a little bit's all right. Yeah, I, you know, I don't I don't drink too much. Just a little bit. You know, my language isn't too bad. Just a little bit. You know, the way I conduct my relationships with other people, you know, I, I'm, I'm I'm upfront and I'm honest and I'm true. Most of the time, there's just a little bit that I hold back for myself. Yeah, we're impure and we're in the dark about our impurity. We can't even see it. Jeremiah 17 tells us this. It says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. And desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is. It's bad. Jesus in fact at times refused to answer questions of people in his ministry. Because the Bible tells us that he knew what was in the hearts of man. That their hearts were evil. So the first blank on your page is this. We're impure and we can't even see it. We are impure and we can't even see it. 2 Corinthians 6 says, how can light live with darkness? How can light live with darkness? See, here's the thing about us. After a while in the dark room, if you look around, what was almost pitch black when it first got dark, almost completely dark. After a while, you look around and your eyes begin to adjust, Right? you get used to it You're, what happens and scientifically what happens is your um, your pupil expands letting more light in and as time goes by as a little bit of time it expands more and more and more but not only that the rods and cones uh, in your eyes they begin to break down the chemicals differently and they begin to put them back together differently and it all begins to work on a much lower light level and as a, a little bit of time goes by you can see more and more and more in the dark room but when it's dark you can still never see everything right when it's dark you can you can think you know what you see right but you're not sure if you can see everything you can even get to a comfort level of feeling like you know what's around that you're not going to trip and stumble over something or whatever you can even get to that comfort level but you still can't see everything your bright red shirt is just as bright red in a pitch black room as it is in a bright room But you can't see the colors because our eyes can't go to that level. So what we think we see around, you know what it's like when you wake up in the middle of the night in your room and it's dark. And you wake up and and you've piled some clothes up or you set something up on your nightstand or your dresser or something like that. And you look over in the middle of the night and all you can see is that large, dark shape. And you don't know what that is. I've had this experience. I get up and turn the light on. What's going on? Somebody's standing in my room, and it's just a a pile of something. Or we stuck a fan up on the dresser recently, and it surprised me in the middle of the night. You know, that kind of thing. And you think you can see, but you can't really see. You don't even know what's going on. Listen to me. The enemy loves you being in the dark because you are a much easier target in the dark. Because you can't see what's around you in the dark, but he can. He His domain is the darkness, and he wants to pounce on you, and he wants to take what's already dark in you and make it darker. He wants to make you more like him. When we claim to follow Christ, who wants us to make us more and more light in the world. We're impure, and we can't even see it, but our eyes adjust, and we get used to it. And so what happens is our eyes get adjusted and we think we can see everything. We think we know all the answers. We think we've got it all down. We think we're comfortable where we are. And so we think that we've kind of got it all. And and so we think we can see it, got the answers, but we don't. And that's why, that's why when we look around, people ask questions about God. And we say, well, God's against sex outside of marriage. God's against homosexuality people get offended by those things people get offended by the light of god because they can't see it they can't understand it it's incomprehensible to them because see here's what happens when when you get adjusted to the darkness after a while when you finally have a radical encounter with the light of god it actually can be offensive am i right It can be offensive to us. It can hurt us. When we have in the darkness a radical encounter with the light of God, it actually hurts us. Go ahead and pull the rest of those lights back behind me up, Rachel. Yeah. Am I right? You remember what happened with Moses, right? Moses was a good man. I mean, God used Moses in many, many ways. He used Moses to rescue the people from Egypt. Right? To lead the people through the wilderness. And, and Moses gets up on the mountain with God and is experiencing God's presence on the mountain. Having an incredible worship experience. And he says, God, I'm only going to ask you for one thing. I only want one thing from you, God. And here's all I want, God. If I could just see you. If I could just see you, God. And you remember God's response? God was like, no, no, you don't want to see me. You don't even want to get that close to me because my pure holiness will destroy you in your impure wickedness. Right? And so God gave Moses the chance to catch a glimpse of him as he passed by. But he could not look directly at God. Because light and darkness cannot coexist. Light destroys darkness darkness. Light eradicates darkness. That's why it feels offensive to us. Second Corinthians 6 says, "How can light live with darkness?" So you got to ask yourself the question. Am I really dark? Am I really bad? Am I really evil? Cuz I think I'm pretty good. I don't know. Let me ask you this question. Is there a secret part of your life that you would not want your kids to know about? Is there a secret part of your life that you don't want your wife to know about or your husband to know about? Is the way you talk at work different from the way you talk at church? Are you or have you been this week engaged in an activity that you would be embarrassed for your pastor to know about? I'll tell you one of the struggles I have. This is an ongoing struggle that I always have. I always have had. I don't know how long I'm going to continue to have it. But, you know, we don't have television. We don't have satellite or cable in our house. But we do have, you know, the uh, uh, DVD players that stream Netflix and Amazon Prime and all that stuff. So we, we watch TV. We just don't have TV. Does that make sense? So we have those things. And so we, we sit around it. And, and one of the things that I love is I love those real light sitcoms, you know, the, the easy ones to watch that are hilarious, but don't require a lot of thought process, you know? Because I like to be working on something while the TV's on a little bit. And so I love watching these sitcoms that are on TV because if they're funny I'll I'll just keep watching them and and I'll laugh out loud if they're really funny. And I love them but one of the ones, this is what I struggle with one of the ones, actually most of the ones that we'll watch when we watch them, I mean just think about it I'm laughing out loud at these sitcoms and we watch episode after episode of them on streaming Netflix or um, Amazon Prime or something and I'm laughing out loud but most of the content of the sitcom is about guys trying to get girls into bed outside of marriage. And I'm sitting here laughing out loud because the jokes are hilarious. They're really funny. But the show revolves around them getting her drunk and getting her into bed. Oh, maybe that'll work for us. Is that pure? Or is that impure? It's amazing how we kind of get our guard let down. We kind of get into the dark because we think, oh, well, it's funny. It's funny. It's just funny. It's not that bad. Just a little bit of the bad stuff. It's just fun. I only watch it because it's funny. You know, something I've kind of come to terms with is that funny doesn't make it right. Just because it's funny doesn't mean that it's Right, just because it's on TV doesn't mean that it's okay. Just because it's on the big screen in the movie theater doesn't mean that it's good for me. The Bible says that all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. And so where I draw my lines on that really kind of help be an indicator to me of how pure my heart is before God. I don't know, am I the only one? Do you struggle with these things? because I have these kinds of struggles on an ongoing basis. Sometimes my kids will come into the room and I've got something on TV and I'm ashamed because I set the tone in my family. I'm the dad in my family. And what I'm watching isn't R-rated, not even PG-rated. It's public, open television that you can get with antennas if you live close to a, you know, a real town. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other story. <laughs> and there it is. And they'll walk into the room. Hey, Dad. And I'm like, oh, what message am I sending to my children? Am I cultivating a culture of purity in my home in this way? Well, here's the next blank on your page. And this is important for all of us to know is this. There is no purity without Christ. There's no purity without Christ. The only way any of us can be seen by God as pure at all is through Christ. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and all of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us are impure and we're inundated with impurity in this world. But the good news is that even though we were impure, even though we were deserving of the judgment that comes when the light of God pierces the darkness and eradicates the dark impurities in our lives, even though we deserve that eradication, the Bible says that God loved us so much that he sent his son who was pure and God took all my impurities and placed them onto Jesus and blamed Jesus for what I had done and Jesus went to the cross and paid the price on the cross for my sin and your sin and the Bible says that he rose from the dead, he lives today, he lives in me and through me, just like he does for you if you're a follower of Christ and the Bible says he clothes us in his righteousness, we are able to gain his purity in God's sight because of what he did for us and that's the only way that we can be pure it's not about being better it's about being pure and jesus makes us pure romans 3 it's not on the screen or on your uh you version but i've got it here it says this romans 3 23, you know these verses it says this for everyone has sinned we all fall short of god's glorious standard yet god with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life shedding his blood. So when we step into that faith relationship with Jesus, God sees us as pure. Come on, when we step into that relationship with Jesus, God sees us as pure. So it's not about becoming better. It's about dying to ourselves. It's about leaving our old life and stepping into his new life. A couple of points from last week. Talking about blessings in this message series on our families. This next point is straight from last week. God's blessings aren't in how your family is performing. It's not about them getting better. But in who your family is becoming. Is your family becoming more and more of Christ living through them. We talked last week about the fact that it's not about us being a family with Jesus in the family, but being a Christ-centered family. Being a family that's all about Christ. In fact, that's the next blank on your page. The key is your family being all about Christ. Your family being all about Christ. Not having Christ as an add-on. Not having Christ as one morning or one hour a week, but having Christ as the center of all... All of their attention and affection all the time. It's about living for Jesus. The Bible even says that our life is Christ. So, how do I, here's the big question for the day, how do I create a culture of purity in my family? How do I create a culture of purity in my family? If you're following along with the page, we're going to bring the lights up a little bit for you here. Uh, but if you're following along with the you version, we got three ways you can do that. Three ways to help create a culture of purity in your family. The first one is this, always step into it, me first. Always step into it, me first. Start with me first. This is simply the integrity move. You cannot tell your wife, your husband, your kids, uh, any other relatives, hey, you need to do this. Uh, Do what I say, not what I do. That's called hypocrisy. And so you start with me first. Proverbs 4 says this, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It's real easy to fall into this darkness trap that people tell you. Of, hey, when you're not sure what to do next, follow your heart. That's a trap, man. Be careful. When you hear somebody say, follow your heart, you be sure to tell them that you're never going to follow your heart. Because scripture is really clear from Proverbs. Guard your heart. Don't follow your heart. Guard your heart. Your heart is susceptible. It's susceptible to your emotions. It's susceptible to the pizza you ate last night. It's susceptible to the way you feel at any given moment. Your heart can be swayed. So we must guard our hearts. We must protect our hearts. That's part of building purity into your life. When you're constantly feeding your heart the filth that this world has for you to dine on, then you're continually building impurity into your heart. So guard your hearts. The prayer from David in Psalm 51 is this. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Before we can lead our families in purity, we've got to be able to lead ourselves. Now, I don't mean that that's got to mean that you've, uh, you've got to become perfectly pure first, and then you can start. But it might mean that you can go home today and say, Hey, I, I've been struggling with some of the stuff we watch, some of the things we laugh at, some of the music we listen to. I, I've been struggling with some of that in my life. What, what do you say, family? Why don't we together? Let's make a move in the purity direction because I want to see God. I don't want to miss out on what God has for me or wants to do in my life. I want to see God. Let's step into purity. Let's take this first step together. You know, I mentioned music. It's amazing how music can lull you into the darkness too. I mean, it's amazing some of the songs that you and I will be driving down the road and singing along to like it's nothing because it's got a catchy tune. But if you, just, if you just stop and if you separate the song, the tune from the words and you just recite the words to your family, they would be deeply offended and hurt. There's so many songs that you and I will drive down the road singing out loud at the top of our lungs. But if I stood here and recited the song verbatim, you'd fire me as your pastor. There's some impurity here that maybe we need to deal with. Second thing is this. First is me first. Second thing is this. Parent to the heart, not the actions. Parent to the heart, not the actions. So many times... Parents, I'm just, This is kind of a heart-to-heart for parents because I always uh, had difficulty with this as a parent. My kids are are, uh, are kind of grown and out of the house. And so this isn't such a big deal for me anymore. Uh, right now on a day-to-day basis, it's something I hope to be able to continue with my kids. But it's parenting to the heart, not the actions. It's really, really easy when your kids are fighting and you tell them you got to stop and you need to apologize to her. You need to apologize to her for what you just did, Right? And you make them do the right action. And so what he does, sorry, Zach, what he does is he goes over there. I'm sorry, you got your feelings hurt, you big jerk, you know, and walks away, right? So he obeyed me. He did the action that I told him he had to do, but his heart wasn't in it. So many times we parent to the action and we don't parent to the heart. We we parent them so that they will begrudgingly obey us. They'll have outward obedience but inward rebellion. Right? Outward obedience but inward rebellion. Begrudging obedience obedience listen to me when we parent to those actions what we're teaching kids is we're teaching kids that it's okay to be a hypocrite to be one way on the outside and another way on the inside see we adults we've mastered that haven't we we've got that technique down pat let's don't please don't pass that on to our children so we need to parent to the heart. God never, never wants from us our begrudging obedience. He never wants from us this outward obedience but inward rebellion. He only wants our hearts. He wants it like that song says to come from the inside out. He doesn't want us to be obedient on the external only. He wants it to flow from the inside out because Christ has begun to work purity inside us. It comes out in who we are and what we do. 1 Samuel 16 says this The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He knows what's in the heart. Of men, women, and children. So, parent to the heart, not the actions. The third thing is this as a family, pursue perfect purity. As a family, pursue perfect purity. Notice I I don't have as your blank here attain perfect purity. Because this side of heaven, you're never going to all the way get there. There's always going to be some impurity in your life. I'm sorry, but it's it's always going to be there. But fortunately, because of Christ in us, God sees us as pure. So we pursue Him. We pursue more of Him in our lives. Jesus tells us in John 12, He says, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in Me should stay in darkness. No one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Jesus says, I've come as the light of the world. In fact, he says that anyone who believes in me will do the things that I say. And that's not because we perform up to his standard of obedience. It's because he's already placed purity inside of us in Jesus. And so it comes out in who we are. We pursue that. We pursue perfect purity. How much darkness do we allow In our lives. Ephesians. Paul writes this great work. That we've been studying. And we're going to pick back up again. In about three weeks. But in Ephesians 5. He says. But sexual immorality. And all impurity. Of covetousness. Must not even be. Named. Among you. As is proper. Among saints. Another translation. Says do not let there even be a hint. Of immorality among you. Yeah, he's telling us to pursue perfect purity, to eliminate all of that trash, all of that garbage. This should be the goal of our families, that we should allow Christ to come out through us. Not that we should be berating them to act right, but that we should parent toward the heart, that we should compel our, our wives and our husbands' hearts, that we should encourage and pray for their hearts, that they would become the hearts that God wants in us to come out of us. This is the promise that he gives us in Ezekiel. In Ezekiel 36, here's what he tells us he's going to do for us. He says, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. That's the heart. That Christ died for and lives for in us is that we would have that tender, responsive heart to God, that we, would, that we would live our family lives out of his heart for us, out of his desire for us, that we would truly become the people, the families that God can bless and he can bless with more of Christ. And his purity. So, dads, it's time to step it up. Dads in the room, it's time to step it up. It's time to stop living for yourself and to start living for Jesus in front of your wife, in front of your children. Moms in the room, it's time to step it up. It's time to love your children and to parent toward their hearts. Teenagers in the room, listen to me, teenagers. I really believe that you, in your family life and in your school life, you have much more power than you realize. And you set the tone for the people around you. And in huge ways, teenager, you set the tone for your parents even. What would your parents do if you went home today from church and said, Mom, Dad... I'm done with the filth on the movies and on television. In fact, you've given me an awful lot of freedom right here on my smartphone. And uh, it's really easy to take that freedom for granted. You know, I'm 14 years old. I'm 16 years old. I'm 18 years old. And I'm not going to lie to you, mom and dad. This thing is a huge problem for me because it leads me down the wrong path all the time. I, I I I need to fix this. I need to change this. What can we do? How can we make a change? I'm willing to put it down. When we have dinner together at night, I'm willing to just put it down, not even be on Facebook, not even be on Snapchat or Instagram. I'm willing to stop watching some of the TV shows that I watch because they put filth into my mind and my heart. I'm willing uh, to stop going to some of the movies that I go to see. I'm willing to do that. What would your parents do, teenagers, if you came home and you drew the line of purity in your family? What would they do? How would they respond? Hey, families, do you want to see God? Do you want Him to be present in your life? Pursue purity, which is found in Jesus. God, I pray that we would be families known for our purity. God, I pray that we would not be people known for hypocrisy. God, I pray that we would not be people known for begrudging obedience. God, I pray that we would be able to look and to see you, Father, that we'd be able to see your perfect light shining into this world and into our lives, and that it would not be an offense, but God, that it would continue to shine through us into the world around us, and that if people around Us are offended, it would be that they were offended because of Christ in us, not because of us. Lord, make that kind of difference in our homes, in our families. Father, we surrender to you. And while no one's looking around, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Maybe you're here today and and you've been trying to become uh, better. You've been trying to perform at the right level and you haven't become the child of the king that he desires for you to become and you'd like the chance to surrender your life to him. Right now is your chance. You can do that right here in this room. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or to come forward or even to raise your hand. I just would like to invite you to pray a simple prayer of repentance and faith. It's a prayer of turning from your old life and surrendering your life to him completely. I don't want to embarrass you because I, I just want you to pray. I just want you to know him. So if that's you in this room, and if you'd like to surrender your life to his glorious grace in you, if you would like to be able to see him at work just right where you're seated, pray this simple prayer with me. It goes like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I realize that I'm a sinner. I've broken your heart by breaking your law. God, I've been selfish. I've hogged my life to myself. And I'm sorry. God, I don't want to live that way anymore. Please forgive me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die in my place. And to live again through me. So as best as I know how, I surrender myself to you. Change me, Lord. I'm yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.